everybody, good people. We're back. Sort of cool show. What's up? How's it going, man? It's good, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, I did the worst day of history, the worst day of the year for me last weekend, the Christmas tree day. <laughs> man, you know, as we get as we get closer to the holidays, man, I, I start to get real excited, man. I, I drive around a neighborhood at night, and it's cold, and it's like oh, yeah. you see all the houses have the Christmas lights up and all that. It looks it looks really cool. My neighbors um, to the to the left of me, their house looks really great. Like it's really really pretty. You know, like really right. nice. Yeah, sure. It That's just what looks I good. Like. Their house looks really good. And That's what I like. And I go out and I, you know, those little globes you can buy, you just shine up on your house. <laughs> so I go up and yeah, do that. Man. It's so terrible. Yeah. I feel horrible because I'm just like, man, they put in so much work. It looks really really great. And I just go out there and plug in a thing and just like, ah, I'm done. Hey. Whatever. You know what? It's a personal, it's a personal taste, man. I mean, you know, well, you know, my wife, my wife makes our house look so pretty with the lighting she does with the wreaths and inside and all that kind of stuff. And then just right up the street <laughs> is Clark Griswold's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, man. it is terrible, man. It's like nothing. It's just the most bizarre thing in your in. in ever seen you know well whatever you know i love it i'm just i think i'm just too lazy to do the work but the work in but anyway i really think that if i didn't have a wife i wouldn't even have a decoration of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah man man, listen today is december 8th 2020 and i didn't even realize it until a few hours ago i was like december 8th man that date feels it's weird. There's a, it's an odd, it's like an odd date that I, I feel like something significant happened on this date. And I, I'm the dumb guy that had to Google it. December, what happened on December 8th? And my goodness, John Lennon yes. was killed on December 8th, 1980, 40 years ago today. Yeah, and man, maybe man. it's because I don't watch much TV other than like Netflix and stuff like that. Sure. But like, yeah, the, I mean, the 40th anniversary of really one of the greatest singers and songwriters in the in the world, the 40th anniversary mm. of his passing, you'd think that that would be everywhere. Like, if you just, anywhere you yeah. turned, you would, but there would be wasn't. some massive television special about John Lennon or whatever. Maybe there was. I just, yeah, I don't I know, man. Maybe it. I'm just out of the loop. I mean, you know, I remember the day he died because I was 16 years old. Um, I remember my dad woke me up. He had died the night before. But, of course... You know, it's not like social media and the web back then. You had to wait till you got the news, you right. know, that sort of thing. So when it came on the morning news, my dad came up and I was getting ready for school. And he said, hey, John Lennon died. He got shot. And I was like, what? you got to be kidding. And, and, you know, and I wasn't a Beatles fan, per se, you know, when I was 16. Um, I, of course, knew who they were. And but. You know, I did it. And that was a time when, you know, Double Fantasy. You remember that record he had Mm -hmm. that was out. um, uh, That song Woman was a big deal when I was in high school. That was a big song. Starting Over was a big song off that record. So, you know, he certainly made an impact on us as music listeners and music lovers. But, uh, yeah, I remember I remember my dad telling me, you know, that that had happened and went to school and people were talking about it. Yeah, that was 40 years ago, man. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, prior to the pandemic, I I would go to New York York quite a bit for work and 
and uh, I always stay in Midtown, kind of right near Central Park. And mm-hmm. where I stayed, I mean, it's still quite a quite a bit of a walk from my hotel to the Dakota, where okay. John was uh, was was killed. And you know, one time I had some extra time. My wife actually was with me uh, on this particular trip, and um, I had gotten done with work, and I was we took a couple of days in the city just to hang out and just kind of yeah. like you know just kind of do the New York mm-hmm. City thing, right? As tourists, right. Um, and so we, we strolled through Central Park and I was like, Hey, you know what? I'd really like to go to the Dakota and just see it. Like, I would just like to see the building. Oh, absolutely. And so we walked, we walked there. It was, like I said, it was quite a, it's quite a hall. It's not like a little stroll through the park. I mean, it's, it's a walk. Yeah. And so we, we go down and we, and we get there. And as I'm kind of coming out of Central Park up to the sidewalk where, uh, right in front of the Dakota, they have obviously have guards there because they have guards in front of the place because people live there, you know? Right. And it's uh, obviously, a, you know, they, they're there for, for security for the residents. And I mean, it was so weird because they have like carts with John Lennon merch and just really? like balloons and keychains and just this, oh my. all this random, it was like a circus. And I was just like, man, yeah. like I get it, you know, because he's such a significant figure and just pop sure. culture. But it just felt a, it felt a little tacky, you know, to like yeah, have yeah. like merch vendors in front of a place where, you know, a man was was you know gunned down. But anyway, right. uh, people I mean, will take I, advantage of anything to make a dollar. <laughs> they will. They will. I just thought I thought it was a little bit a little bit distasteful, um, and maybe it was distasteful that I wanted to go see the place. But you know, no, I just not, for I me, I'm just so. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of uh, I'm a little bit of a history buff, as you know, and. Yeah. You know, I, for me, that's a really big piece of pop culture history. I just kind of want to yeah. see my own, my own two eyes. It's not weird at all that you would want to go because, you know, that that being a pop culture history buff that you are like, I like kind of stuff, too. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think it's well, cool. yeah, I figured I you can't have a music, a music podcast, a music show and not talk about, you know, a significant oh, no. date like that. If we're going to do a show on December 8th. You kind of have to mention, you know, John you have to. to no doubt, man. Anyway. Well, no Hey doubt. man, today, this show is going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Two me too. just powerhouse bands, Def Leppard and ACDC, right? You mm-hmm. don't really pair them together and go, wow, those, those are kind of bands you want to battle it out. Right. Def Leppard and ACDC. Sure. But the significance of these two bands and, and, and the way we're pairing this together. Right. So, Hysteria came out in 87, sold, yes. I don't know what, 20 million units worldwide, 12 right. million in the U.S., massive, massive record. Well, seven years prior to that, Back in Black comes out, 25 million right. records sold in the U.S., 50 million globally, mm-hmm. massive, massive record. Coincidentally, Mutt Lang produced both of those albums. That's right. right. The mastermind, mm-hmm. Mutt Lang, we've all, we've talked about yes, him quite a bit on the show. And... Interestingly enough, during the Hysteria tour, or after the tour actually, in 1991, Steve Clark, the guitar player of Dev Leppard, died at 30 years old. Sure. And then prior to Back in Black coming out, well, the lead singer, Bon Scott, died of, yeah. you know, uh, and both of them died of a drug slash alcohol related uh, sure. death. So. There's exactly. a lot of similarities here. There's the production similarity between the producers. Um, Very much so. These were the band's largest records to date, the biggest records mm-hmm. that they'd ever sold. Um, and then they each had a band member that passed away. But what we're talking about today are the album that they released next. 
Yeah, the right? follow-up to the what massive happened seller. after you had this gigantic successful yeah. record? Then what? I was just thinking about that coming home today. I was thinking, you know, this was these were the records that came out after the massive selling records that they put out. Yeah, right. That I kind of caught on to that. That what do you do, man? After you put out something like Back in Black and Hysteria. Then you have to follow that up. <laughs> so Def Leppard then releases Adrenalize, and that doesn't come out until 1992, right? Sure. So Hysteria comes out in 87. They don't release another record until 92. Yeah. And then yeah. ACDC, Back in Black, comes out in 1980. Well, it's ACDC, so the very next year they release another record. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, like man. 1979, you know, Highway to Hell. 1980, Back in Black, 1981, for those about to rock. So, I mean, they just, every, these guys are just cranking records out left and yeah. right. And they're, they're just cranking out songs. songs. It's insane. Yes. They write so many songs. Yes, so, this is. record came out in 81. And next year, obviously, from 1981, right? Next year is the 40th anniversary of the release of For Those About to Rock, oh, which was yeah, the record man. that came out right after Back in Black. So, I mean, for me, I love that record. I think me it too. opens the opening song, which is for those about to rock, is one of the most perfect opening songs of any album in yes. rock history, in my opinion. And it is the ending song for most of the shows. You know, when I've uh -huh. seen them, the, 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 the two times I've seen ACDC, that was the song they ended with each night. You know, wow. each time I saw them, that was their, the, for those about rock was the, was the last song and so powerful, man. So, and you're right. What a great opener. I think they did a great job following up with, with after back in black, you know, the cool thing about this is, um, you know, also produced by Mutt Lang, of course, yeah. it stays with that signature ACDC sound that you oh, yeah. know who it is, you know what it is, you know, and to be honest with you, man, I thought Brian Johnson's voice was so on point on this record. Yeah, I mean, I know it was on Back in Black, but on this record, I heard him do some things that I hadn't heard him do, didn't hear him do on Back in Black. And I just thought he was on point on this record right here, man. But yeah. yeah, what a great, I thought it was a great follow-up. Yeah, really, really good. It debuted at number one when it came out. You know, Back in Black um, was a, a tad bit of a build, right? It didn't debut at yeah. number one for them. Even though Highway to Hell was a big record, um, back in Black, you know, the subsequent album did not chart at number one mm. uh, in the U.S. at least. And um, but then obviously, you know, when you have that much success on an album, your follow up gets an instant boost because people are oh, yeah. riding high off of that previous release. So a lot of times yeah. when a band puts out a really great record and then their next record will start off really, really strong. But if it's a dud, mm. it dies out really fast. And then sure. that, the record after a dud typically starts off really, really slow, and it's a difficult yeah. build. That's why it's so hard for bands to overcome a down record, a really bad record. And what but these bands, record well, I was going to say, these bands didn't have to deal with that because both these bands right. are coming <laughs> off of a huge album. And so then, you know, For Those About to Rock comes out, debuts at number one. It's four times platinum in the U.S. It's about seven million units globally after... Hysteria comes out, right, and sells 20 million globally, 12 million in the U.S. Adrenalize comes and sells about 3 million in the U.S., but it debuted at number one because they were riding wow. on the heels of a massively successful record in Hysteria. Wow, man. Hysteria, we talked about, we did a show on Hysteria, and we talked about the first side of Hysteria. Remember, we talked oh, yeah. about how that, every song was a single. You, 
every song is a single, and you can listen to that. And then when you flip to side two, we both agreed that, uh, you know, it had, I think it, what was the title to cut on the second side, Hysteria on the second side, had, maybe? I or think there were like two that. songs, two songs okay. on side two that were worth listening to. Man, I'm going to tell you what, Adrenalize, to me, not a bad song on the record. Not one bad song on the record. And yeah. I think, I personally, for me, I think they did a, an amazing follow-up after Hysteria. Because you think about what Hysteria did and, and, and what it did for that band. I mean, it put them in a whole other level that they weren't even on with Pyromania. And yeah. then they do Hysteria, and it just catapults them. And then they come out with this... You know, several years later, and man, let's get rot came out, and that was kind of their answer. It was the lead. It was the lead. Pour single. some sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lead single, kind of like, kind of like that. Pour some sugar on me type of right. vibe they had going. And there's some great songs on there. I thought they did a great job with this record, man. It's one of it. It is probably one of my favorite Def Leppard records by yeah. far. Yeah, it's a good record. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is Mutt Lang didn't produce this album, but he was the executive producer, so he was very much mm. involved. And yeah. he hired uh, Mike Shipley, who was an engineer that he used quite a bit. Mike engineered okay. uh, Hysteria. He engineered—I mean, he's worked with, like, the best of the best. He's worked with Joni Mitchell, Kim Carnes. He, he, funny thing is he he mixed uh, the Lone Justice Shelter record, which you and I both love. Really? Yeah, man. He worked on that really? record. He's worked with Tom Petty. Um, he's worked with Scorpions, Vixen, Rat Detonator, which is one of my favorite rock oh, that's records. That's one of your favorite records. Yes. Yeah. He's worked with Winger, Richard Marks, obviously Shania. He was really a go-to mix guy and engineer mm. for Mutt. So a lot of the stuff Mutt okay. produced, Mike worked on as well. Like Mutt produced a Nickelback record, you know, one of the later okay. Nickelback records, and Mike worked on that record too. So he's he was been he's been very, very involved in a lot of the stuff that Mutt's worked. And so therefore he's going to have a little bit of the Mutt kind of signature, signature. sound. You yeah. know, I mean, Mutt Did has he? like a, he's got that really signature background vocal that he does Absolutely. on every, like the Brian Adams records, the Shania records, yeah, was, Def Leppard records. That was records. what I was going to ask you, was did he, yeah. did he work with the Brian Adams record? Because, you know, one thing about Brian Adams waking up the Neighbors record, if, yeah. you, put, if you put that record on and take Brian out and put Joe Elliott in, it's a Def Leppard record. I mean, it sounds so much like, and you obviously know it's my, so I, it's, it's uh, Brian yeah. Adams calls his voice, but you know, it's Mutt Lang producing. And I just wondered if Shipley worked on that too, you know, cause today riding home, just listening to uh, Adrenalize, I immediately thought, especially listening to, have you ever needed someone so bad on the record? And I thought that, this is Mutt Lang all over it. You know, this has got, he had to have produced his record. And then when I yeah. asked you, you said, no, it was Mike. And I looked on the record, yeah. saw it was Shipley. And I was like, oh my gosh, man. But yeah. then it, now it makes total sense because yeah, he was he, an engineer. Yeah, he, he, worked, he worked so closely with Mutt that you can't help but have that. And plus, Mutt was the executive producer on this. So he is going to have a little bit of say in kind of how things are going to yeah. run, how things are going to work, you know. Um, it, it was really, it's definitely a, uh, definitely feels very Mutt Lang-ish when you listen to very it. Very much. One of the other interesting things about this Adrenalize record is, you know, again, when they were writing this record, because they kind of wrote this record on the Hysteria tour, mm -hmm. or they wrote some of it on the Hysteria tour while yeah. Steve Clark was still alive. Steve Clark passed away in 1991. 
So okay. about a year before this album came out. So he was writing a lot of these songs uh, from this record. Yeah, he's got six on here, six co-writes on this yeah, record. Yeah, so, so Phil Collin, the, the, guitar, the other guitar player uh, in Def Leppard, mm-hmm. they didn't replace Steve Clark when they made the record. So they recorded the record as a four-piece. So Phil played right. all the guitar parts. Okay. And I read a I read a, a line from Phil when he was talking about how it felt so weird because you know some of the demos they'd already recorded the demos with Steve Clark, and you know oh, Phil wow. was there with him as he was recording, and so he just felt like it was it was an almost like an eerie, uh, an eerie feeling when he was making this record without Steve in the room, but having Steve's guitar parts, you know. Yeah, that's crazy, um, man. Really, just really interesting, and just a really. Um, I, I'm sure it was a very somber mood in the studio when they were when they were recording Adrenaline. Sure it was. When but did the, Vivian come on? So Vivian comes on in 1992. Okay. Vivian's first gig. Check this out. Mm. Vivian Campbell. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know Vivian played with Dio. Vivian yeah, played. Man. He was a very he was a, he was a touring member in White Snake because you know that first that, I right. say the first record, the White Snake self titled, kind of their big comeback record yeah. in 1987 or 86 whenever that came out. That was basically David Coverdale and John Sykes who did that record, wrote a okay. lot of the songs, they, produced a lot of the music, the played guitar together, right. and all that. And then after John Sykes left, before the record even came out, Coverdale went and put a band together. He got Adrian Vanderberg yeah. to play a guitar. He got Vivian yeah. Campbell Rudy to play Sarzo, guitar. Rudy yeah. Sarzo playing bass. Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge Tommy on drums. Aldridge. I mean, yeah. look, it, that is band, a man. super group powerhouse band sure on the White Snake. Sure it is. Sure so it is. Vivian played with them from 87 to 89. Okay. And then Coverdale basically was like, hey, I really kind of want to invest in Adrian Vandenberg, so you're out. So Vivian's (laughs) out on the street, right? Well, in 1992, Vivian gets the call to go be the guitar player for Def Leppard and replace Steve Clark. So Vivian's very first gig was on April 20th, 1992 at Wembley Stadium. The concert for in, life. The concert for life. The Freddie Mercury tribute show. Yes. Uh, wow. That was his very first gig with Def Leppard in front of 72,000 people broadcast to over a billion people watching. I mean, yes, can you imagine was. the pressure? Your very first gig with Def Leppard in front of 72,000 yeah. people and a billion watching on television? Yeah, I remember they started that. That set started with Let's Get Rocked. Did They played at Wembley that day. And I remember that, man, is like I'm watching it now. And we've talked about this last show, how much that was such a such a great day. But, yeah, can you imagine walking on stage? Your first gig with your new band is at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You know how. Oh, and Adrenalize, Adrenalize wasn't even a month old at that point. Adrenalize came out mm. in March of 92. And then this show was in April of '92. It was just in that. I can't even. Man. I just can't even fathom it, man. I can't even imagine the 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 uh, literally. I mean, not to be a pun on words here, but the the adrenaline that you feel out there on that stage, man. It just got no. be, it just got to be unbelievable. Did you do you have this record, Adrenalize? I don't have the vinyl, but I okay. um I had the CD. I bought the CD when it came out, and then yeah, obviously too. it's in my Apple Music library. I've just listened to it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, favorite song on here? Um, Do you have one? I would say. Um, have you ever needed somebody? Or let's get rock. Oh, yeah. Probably my two favorites. Really? Yeah. If you ever needed someone, and heaven is is mine. 
Oh, okay. Love yeah. Heaven. I mean, to be honest with you, man, I love every song on that record. Yeah. I, 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 I could listen to it all day. I love it. It's, so probably, I, it's probably, for me, more favorite than Hysteria for me. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. I can't go there with that, man. I, I have to. Do I do, man. I, I have to. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. I can't. Hysteria for me is just too classic. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, for me, it, yeah, was, I get it, was, that. Just, it was right down the lane in, in my world sure. when I first started playing music. That was the... That was one of the two records that were really massive. It was that record and, and Appetite for Destruction. But here's what I think about Hysteria. I mean, uh, Adrenalize. I think it was a bad timing. I think, you know, look at it. It came out right in the dead set of grunge. And yeah. I, if that, I think I think if this record, if they would have released this record sooner than after they did Hysteria, it might have done well better. But you're talking about, you know, right when uh, grunge was killing it. Yeah, I mean, and like a lot of records that were so good that right. came out in that era that didn't right. get the time of day, you know. Yeah, bands like ACDC, they don't, they're not really susceptible to uh, no. to, to music trends. I don't think you know. No, what I mean? Like, I, I think if you're a fan of ACDC, too. you're a fan of ACDC. If you're a fan yeah. of Def Leppard, then it's kind of like, oh, I like Def Leppard. I like Poison. I like Motley Crue. I like sure. these bands. Well, all those bands kind of die out when when grunge mm-hmm. came out and had its its big rise. Right. So, that was yeah, a. He's uh, not going to die out. <laughs> no, it's they're just because they just keep making the same. They keep making the same music, man. It's just like, look, if you like one of them, you like them all. I mean, it's just that's right. They're just yeah, really no doubt, good man. three chord rock and roll songs. You know what song I love off? Uh, I, I love I love for those about to rock, of course. But you know what song I really like on here is freaking Inject the Venom. <laughs> it's a good one, man. Dude, I, I, I love that song. Man, I love this whole record. I think Evil Walks is great. I think COD oh, yeah, is absolutely man. incredible. I mean, it's just a great, great, great record. And the interesting thing is, it was really, it was the record that got Mutt Lang fired. I mean, it was a record that what? they were just like, you know what, you're out, we're done. We can't, we're not going to. I mean, they, they, so they, they were just... with him for three albums. Okay. But you got to think, man, they went from Highway to Hell, it was very successful. Then they went to yeah. Back in Black, which did, you know, 50 million records globally. And then they come from 50 million to 7 million. Well, okay. That and it was kind of like, you know, the, the young brothers were just like, look, I feel like we've had our run. We've been, our records are getting too polished, too commercial. Mm-hmm. We want to go back mm-hmm. to that real raw, you know, ACDC is very raw, oh, very yeah. raw rock to- Totally, man. And totally. that's really what they wanted to get back to. And so they, wow, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't bring Mutt back um, on the next record after, for those about to rock. But they, you know what though, even though they didn't, Again, like you just mentioned a minute ago, they're ACDC, so it really didn't matter. Really, as far like you said, if you're a fan, you're gonna like them anyway, right? Yeah. And like the last, some of the last records they've done, I love those records. Um, you know, uh, Black Ice and I some of that record later. Yeah, I love that one, and I I have uh. A stiff upper lip. I have that one. Um, you know, I, I I just think they're great records, and I think that's the thing about ACDC is it's so signature that you really can't. The way I look at it is, man, if they put out a record, I'm going like the new one that just came out. You and I were talking about Power that up. and how I like it. Yeah, man, it's classic ACDC. I'm glad Brian Johnson's back. You know, man, I mean, listen, and, Brian Johnson's vocals. I don't know how he does it, to be honest with you, man. I, I don't, mean, need, I don't just, either how he does it. What is he, 73? Yeah, he's like 73 is years old. Is he that old? old? Is he yeah, 73? Dude, man, dude, he sounds, he's, like he's, he sounds like he's 25. He's freaking singing like that at 73 years old. It's insane. That's insane, dude. And 
I, I hope, I hope to goodness they tour. I, I, I swear I want to, I want to go see them again with him, you know? Well, I, I do. I've never, I've never seen ACDC, which bums me out. I've had so many opportunities. I didn't know that. Him. I thought you'd I've seen never him at seen least him. once. No, never seen him. I've seen Road Def trip Leopard. For us, bro. I know, dude. I've seen Def Leppard three times. The first time okay. I saw them, this is, this is another crazy thing. I didn't see Def Leppard until the Yeah Tour in, in 2006. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, saw I never saw them in the eighties or nineties, which just, again, it's just so weird that I was such a huge fan back then and never saw those tours, but I did see them in 2006 and I saw them again. And I think like 2018, then you and I saw them, I think it was 2019 yeah. or whatever that was when That's we saw right. poison. And then I've got tickets to see them on this Motley Crue poison Def Leppard yeah. stadium tour. I've got two shows to that. So I will, I will have seen them five times once this is all done yeah. and still I saw a, them big, very, a big goose yeah. egg for ACDC. Saw them the first time they came to America, and, you know, whatever year that was, Lord, 1981, I guess it was. I saw them, you know, and then I saw them Hysteria Tour. That was the second time I saw them was on the Hysteria Tour. And then I saw them again, and then you and I saw them. I think that was more like 2018 when you and I saw them. Okay, yeah. Um, But I don't have tickets for the upcoming big show, you know, that you you have, but— I'm cool with that. I do want to see ACDC again. So, you know, I think the fact that here's what I will say about these two records. I will say this. I think both of these records are from a fan's point of view, even though they followed massive, massive records, I think they both hit home runs on them though. I think they both were not letdowns like a lot of them could be. Yeah. It's hard for me to like, get mad at a record that sold three or 4 million copies. You sure, know what I mean? Man. It's like, it, yeah, it, that just doesn't, you, that just doesn't happen anymore. You, you don't really come across no. bands that have that kind of an impact. Now, granted, you'll have bands that do a billion streams on a record or whatever, which sure. that's fantastic. Right. But right. I think to get someone to, to walk into a store and go to a shelf and grab mm. a record and then walk back up to the front and plop down 15 bucks and then drive back yeah. home. That's yeah. a massive level of commitment that we just don't have today as music listeners. It's just You're too right. easy to listen to music now. And I think it's very difficult to really build a fan base as an artist. Mm. I think people can build streams, but not necessarily build fans. See, that's and terrible, man. It is. And that sucks because, man, well, that's unfortunately, the whole thing. Yeah, bands and labels and even some managers are addicted to the numbers, the streams, and the okay. money that comes in from okay. them. Sure. And then it's so funny because they'll be like, "Hey, I've got, you know, I've got a million streams in this particular town." Well, I'm like, "Well, go go try to book a tour in that town, man. You'll have five people show up." Right. You know, streaming streaming right. listening has become so passive. It's just background music, and so. You know, you look at your royalties or you look at your stream count and you're like, I got 20 million streams on this song. Well, yeah, you got 450 Instagram followers, though. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't have a fan base. You, you know, know, you're on some, you're on a couple of big playlists somewhere and you're track 50 yeah. of 70 and it's playing overhead in a coffee shop. You know I mean? That's it's just right. like you're not right. building a fan base. And so you got bands like ACDC and Def Leppard who today, look, man, I mean, Def Leppard's going out and selling 70,000 tickets a night. 70,000 tickets a night. Yep. 
Now, granted, they're with, they're with they're with Motley Crue and Poison. Poison, sure. You know, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, these bands did it the hard way, and they, they got it. they built fan bases, and they still yes. have fans. And I, and you and you and I are one of the are two of oh, those. Absolutely. And you know you know what you mentioned a minute ago about going into the store and going out and plopping, you know, your money down and then going home. You know what? I'm sorry, man, but. I, that's exciting to me to go <laughs> me into a store to, for me to walk into a store and look through the bins and find something I either have been looking for or I, something that I, I show up, Hey man, I hadn't seen this or whatever. And then I take it to the counter, put my money down, throw it in my car and go home. That's exciting to me. And to me, it's much more exciting to just pulling up stream and listening you know i'm that's yeah. convenient and it's fun it's cool to have that but i don't know man it's just maybe it's our generation maybe it's you know maybe the younger people don't do it like that but that's yeah. they're missing something really pure and enjoyable and fun being able to do that like like back in the day and now it's kind of back but yeah man i miss the i i love doing that i guess and these are two records um, you know, you you and I talked about uh, for for those about to rock uh, several months back, and I didn't have it, and I, I I told myself that I would not buy it until I found it, and um, it was about a month later that I found it because yeah. I could have ordered it on Amazon. I yeah. could just you know order it, right, but I told myself I wasn't going to do it, and I found it about a month later, flipping through a bend at one yep. of my stores around here, and when Def Leppard, when I started rebuying records again. I wanted to find Adrenalize, and I couldn't find it anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. And finally, one day in some obscure place, there it was. And at first, I thought this was a joke. Some other record's going to be in the sleeve. Yeah. But sure enough, and yeah, and I was, that was exciting to me, man. And so both of these records are part of that history for me, too, man. That's cool. Yeah, man. So, yeah, like I said, I, I haven't found Adrenalize yet. I'm still looking. Um, I did find, for those about to rock, several months ago, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Um, at a was it OG? Lux. Um, oh, yeah, well, it's one of the store, record man. club. It's a record club version. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Well, but it's I, from it's from back in the, it's from back in the day. But it was yeah. Uh, yeah you've been to Phonolux with me. It's oh, I love that store. That's where man. I found it, man. Which of these two are you choosing, man? I mean, if you, if somebody's got to yeah. win. <clears throat> yeah. Um, man, it's a tough one because they're both so great. I You're think right. again, I, it's hard. One of the ways I judge these these albums, and you know, as far as like which one do I think is the better record. Mm-hmm. is which one do I think I can listen to top to bottom, front to back, and really not skip a track? Okay. And I don't necessarily think I would skip a track on either one of these records, but I know that I won't skip a track on For Those About to Rock. Because uh-huh. I've listened to that album top to bottom so many times, and I love it so much. I don't get bored with any of the songs. I do get bored a little bit with Adrenalize. I don't hate the record at okay. all. No, I know. I'm just for me, it's just not quite as strong as for those about to rock. Okay. Well, well, uh, buddy, I have to go the opposite. Um, <laughs> it's okay, as much man. As I, yeah, I know. That's, that's you are more than welcome it. to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I will be wrong this time. Um, for me, you know, I love uh, like you. I love both bands tremendously, have so much of both of them's catalog, you know, and will continue to do so. I love For Those About to Rock. I love it. 
Um, however, for me personally, I love uh, Adrenalize more. Yeah. <laughs> it, I just, I don't know, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a melody guy. I just love the melodies on this record. So for me, I just, there's nothing on here I don't like. And I, I just, I've listened to it over and over and over again before. So for me, I, you know, as much as I love the, nothing against the other one, I'm going with Adrenalize. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. I have to. Oh, that's awesome. Both great records, though. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Well, man, listen, it's been a, it's been a fun <laughs> evening. Yeah, man. Hanging that out was talking fun. about records. Because those were two it. great records. I love I could talk about it all day. That's right. Talk well, about you know records what? all day. We could, but we won't. But we'll we will be week. back. We'll be back next week. And we will be back with another fantastic show. Hope you guys join us. (laughs) Stick around. Hey, man, it was fun. Talk to you soon, man. All right, brother. You have a good one. See you, brother. Bye.